Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, December 10th. In today's news, Democrats plan to advance two articles of impeachment. Elizabeth Warren took money in the 1990s to help Ken Starr as he tried to get a big developer off the hook for cleaning up a toxic waste dump. And President Trump is going to get the Space Force he wants in exchange for paid parental leave for 2 million federal workers. But first, the big idea. A Justice Department Inspector General's report examining the FBI investigation of Trump's 2016 campaign rebutted conservative accusations that top FBI officials were driven by political bias to illegally spy on Trump advisors. But it also found broad and serious performance failures requiring major changes. The 434-page report issued Monday by Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz concluded that the FBI had an authorized purpose when it initiated its investigation, known as Crossfire Hurricane, In doing so, Horowitz implicitly rejected assertions by the president and fellow Republicans that the case was launched out of political animus or that the FBI broke its own rules on using informants. As the probe went on and the FBI sought court approval to surveil a former campaign aide, the report reveals that officials repeatedly emphasized damaging information that they had learned about Trump associates, but played down exculpatory evidence that they also found. FBI Director Chris Wray announced he will implement dozens of corrective measures in response to Horowitz's report, and he said that disciplinary action remains a possibility for bureau employees. Conservatives and liberals alike claimed victory after the report's release, with Republicans asserting that it exposed serious wrongdoing, while Democrats said it validated the Russia investigation. The report, which was based on more than one million documents and more than 170 interviews, is the most exhaustive assessment to date of the investigation that has roiled Trump's presidency. But in the minutes after the document was released, it became clear that the report would not be the last word. In a statement, Attorney General Bill Barr disagreed with one of the inspector general's central conclusions, saying the FBI launched an investigation of a presidential campaign, quote, on the thinnest of suspicions that were, in my view, insufficient to justify the steps taken. So, too, did Connecticut U.S. Attorney John Durham, whom Barr handpicked to conduct a separate investigation similar to what Horowitz is doing. Durham put out a highly unusual statement for someone conducting an ongoing criminal investigation that said he's gathered information from sources in and outside of the U.S. that Horowitz didn't have. Durham said that he advised the inspector general that he does not agree with the report's key conclusion related to predication, which is whether the FBI had enough information to open the case. Now, what evidence Durham has to rebut Horowitz remains unclear. Some involved in the Russia case say they're mystified by the statement. Horowitz was particularly critical of applications the FBI made to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to monitor former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page asserting that those applications contained, quote, significant inaccuracies and omissions, and that agents failed to meet the basic obligation to ensure the applications were scrupulously accurate. The inspector general found that so many basic and fundamental errors were made by three separate handpicked teams on one of the most sensitive FBI investigations that was briefed to the highest levels within the FBI. 
He concluded that there was a failure of not only the operational team, but also of the managers and supervisors, including senior officials in the chain of command. Among those failures was the growing body of information the FBI had gathered, suggesting that former British spy Chris Steele, whose reports, the so-called dossier, were a key element justifying the surveillance of Page, was not as reliable a source as officials had described to the court when seeking the FISA warrants. The report lays out in detail how, as the FBI obtained additional information raising significant questions about the reliability of the Steele reporting, the Bureau failed to reassess the original information, didn't alert higher-ups to the Justice Department, and didn't notify the judges that had signed off on the FISA warrants. As a result of those findings, Horowitz has launched a broader audit of FISA work to study how systemic those problems may be for FISA applications in counterintelligence and counterterrorism cases. Horowitz did not, however, conclude that the Bureau's applications to monitor Page should have been rejected. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Democrats are expected to unveil two articles of impeachment against Trump later today that will focus on abuse of power and obstructing Congress. The full House is on track to pass them next week on a party-line vote. Now, this will disappoint some liberals in the House who wanted to go big with impeachment articles on things like emoluments and the various potential obstruction of justice that was outlined in the Mueller report. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi met last night with Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler and the other chairman who have been involved in the investigation after a nine-hour hearing in which a Democratic counsel laid out the party's case against Trump. Three officials familiar with these deliberations cautioned us that the plan hasn't been finalized. Things could change. But Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee laid the groundwork for just going with two articles during the hearing on Monday as they lambasted Trump as a clear and present danger to the republic. Republicans on the committee sought to vigorously defend Trump using parliamentary maneuvers, process complaints, and occasional theatrics to disrupt the hearing and accuse Democrats of abusing the process in pursuit of a political vendetta. The day-long hearing really didn't reveal much new information about the underlying conduct at the heart of the inquiry, but it did allow committee lawyers to summarize the extensive existing evidence and to present opposing sides of the case. Trump said yesterday that Rudy Giuliani will be making a report to Congress about the findings. Giuliani said he wants to present the information to congressional Republicans ahead of any impeachment vote. Number two, Elizabeth Warren got paid $21,000 in 1996 to write an eight-page memo on Harvard Law School letterhead that took the side of a big developer over environmental activists in Washington state. Warren wasn't arguing on behalf of vulnerable families, nor was she offering the sort of stinging rebuke of corporate greed that would later define her political career. She was actually a registered Republican at the time, and she was representing a company that was trying to avoid having to clean up a toxic waste site that it owned. On Sunday night, Warren released records showing that she made about $2 million as a legal consultant during her time as a professor, most of it between 1995 and 2009. But Warren, who has released 11 years of tax returns, has not disclosed her tax records for most of that time period. And her campaign has provided few details about her private legal business beyond short descriptions, which have in multiple cases proven to be misleading or even false. Among the corporations that hired Warren was Dow Chemical, which spent years trying to ward off liability after a subsidiary company's silicone breast implants began to rupture. Warren also worked for LTV Steel, 
a firm that was battling with the labor movement as it tried to avoid paying millions of dollars for retired coal miners' health care. Rejecting Warren's arguments, the Supreme Court declined to take up the case on the Superfund site, letting stand lower court rulings that required the company to pay for the cleanup. And get this, the counsel of record for that case that Warren consulted on was Ken Starr, who at the time was serving as the independent counsel examining allegations against Bill Clinton. Now, bowing to days of attacks from Warren over transparency, Pete Buttigieg announced yesterday afternoon that he will open his fundraisers to journalists starting today and that he will begin disclosing the names of people bundling money for his campaign. Buttigieg also announced that McKinsey, the consulting firm where he worked right after graduating from Harvard, will allow him to disclose the identity of his clients there. The campaign promises to put out a list of the McKinsey clients soon. Number three, key congressional lawmakers announced their support last night for a defense bill that would create both the Space Force and give paid parental leave for more than two million federal workers as signs of Republican opposition to that measure appeared to fade. House and Senate negotiators in both parties said they would back the bill granting $658 billion to the Department of Defense and other defense programs a measure that includes dozens of national security provisions prioritized by the armed services. However, the measure faces at least some new opposition from liberals in Congress, led by Bernie Sanders, who announced that they would vote against it because of its provisions related to continuing U.S. support for Saudi-led efforts in Yemen, where many civilians have died. In a major deal struck over the weekend, the White House agreed with congressional Democrats to create the Space Force as the sixth branch of the U.S. military, in exchange for the parental leave benefits. If approved, this would be the biggest victory for federal employees in nearly 30 years. And here's some other news that federal workers in Washington can cheer two weekends before Christmas. The Nationals and Steven Strasburg, the reigning World Series MVP and the pitcher who kickstarted the team's slow rise to relevance a decade ago, agreed to a seven-year, $245 million deal. That contract is the largest ever for a pitcher, both in total and average annual value. This means Strauss will be a gnat for life. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, December 10th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. Have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry are in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. You can subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. 